listening to the Bible 126 show. Okay, we're going to go into session 19 of the book of Genesis and deal with chapters 28 through 31. Some of them are short, so it's not quite as onerous as it sounds. And, of course, we're in the age of the patriarchs, this window, so to speak, or this bridge, if you will, between the, what we sometimes call prehistory and uh, the establishment of the, you know, the, the monarchy and so on. Um, so uh, we've been in Isaac. We're now moving into Jacob uh, and... Uh, we're going to see four chapters. He's going to be at Bethel. We'll see the strange things that happen there. Then we'll discover his two wives, Leah and Rachel, and the, the sons that uh, come from that, that issue from that union. And then he, t then he takes flight. So this is, th these are what you might call, some people call them the Laban stories. This guy Laban, we're not through with. Uh, uh, he had a sister by the name of Rebecca, and so that's part of the background here. But anyway, so Jacob is on, a, uh, he's with Isaac right now, and Isaac called Jacob and blessed him. Indeed he did. So Isaac is reconciled. Isaac is blessing him by faith, according to the book of Hebrews, chapters 11, verse 20. And he charged him and said to him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Interesting. Isaac does not want him to do what Esau did. He wants him to go to their own, their own people. He says, Arise and go to Padan Aram. And that, that term you and I can equate roughly to what we call Syria. That's not quite accurate, but good enough for this purpose. Go to Padan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father. Bear in mind, see, Rebekah descended from Bethuel, as, as did Laban, you see. And take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. Okay? This guy Laban is a crafty character. So he, in a sense, Jacob's going to meet his match here. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. And give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob, and he went to Padan Haram unto Laban, son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. Now that's a summary statement. You got, you get, one thing you've got to get used to in the Bible, off they'll give you a summary, but then they'll continue in detail. He sent away to Padan Aram, but he's, he's, that's a long way off. On the way, something's going to happen at Bethel that's en route. Do you follow me? You'll get confused if you assume, gee, in, in verse 5, he's now at Padan Aram. No, he's, he's undertaken that journey, which is 450 miles. But as he gets in about less than 50 miles away, he's going to have an episode on the way that we're going to talk about here shortly. Here's, the, here's a map to give you a rough idea. Haran is a long way up from Canaan. As I say, it's a... It's north of the Syrian desert. It's in the area called Mesopotamia, which means between two rivers, by the way. And so that's a region that today we would label as Syria. When Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Padan Aram to take him a wife from thence, 
And that as he blessed him, he gave him a charge, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And that Jacob obeyed his father and his mother and was gone to Padanaram. Esau, seeing that the daughters of Canaan pleased not Isaac his father, then, then went Esau to Ishmael and took unto the wives which he had uh, had uh, Mahalath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abram's son, the sister of Nebajoth, uh, to be his wife. You get the impression, the way this is put here, it's because this displeased Isaac that he went ahead and did it. He added another one, if you will. Anyway, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he's, he's, he's left for Panamaran, but he, that's a long journey. There's going to be some things happen on the way here. And he lighted upon a certain place. This place, this certain place is going to become very famous because of what happens here. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. Sounds a little rough, doesn't it? And lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac and the land wherein, whereon thou liest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed. Here God is confirming now the covenant once again to the next of kin. He confirmed to Isaac, now he's con con uh, um, confirming it to Jacob. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's obviously messianic. That's more than just his seed. And, and uh, anyway, and behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and he said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that, had, that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of that place the house of God, Beth second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Bet, El, the name of God. Bet means house. Beth El is the house of God. So this is Bethel. We're going to hear about, more about Bethel in some subsequent adventures. He called it, and by the way, this is just a dream he had, but it obviously made an impression on him. And it's from this episode you get the expression Jacob's Ladder, which is a term used in, in lots of literary contexts. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and, I, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. So this is where Jacob commits to the tithe here. And... Uh, the first recorded confession of Jacob, a vow and a tithe. Now, he's on his way up to Badam Ran. He's at Bethel right now. But he's going to then continue way off the chart to get to Haran.
Okay? Genesis 29. We encounter these two gals. Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks. And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. <clears throat> and thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in its place. Jacob said to them, My brethren, whence be ye? They said, Of Haran are we. And he said to them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. He said to them, is, is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. Here's another looker. We've got a lot of good-looking gals in this thing. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. Then we water the sheep. I can't help but get the impression these people are lazy. You know, they're, they're using it as an excuse. But anyway, and while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. In other words, what these guys couldn't pull off, Laban just went ahead and did. My kind of guy. I like that. And Jacob kissed Rachel. Woo, wee. Okay. And lifted up his voice and wept. How's that for a first date, huh? Boy, lifted up his voice and wept. We're going to discover that Jacob loved Rachel more than life itself. Never wavering. Always did. Jacob told Rachel that he was her, her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. It came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob's sister's son that he ran to meet him, embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to his house, and he told Laban all these things. And Laban said, unto him, said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh, and he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And you can let that sentence mean whatever you want it to mean, all right? <laughs> and Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed to him but a few days for the love he had to her. Wow. <laughs> and Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. It came to pass in the evening that he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her. So you're dealing with the veils here and, and so forth. But in any case... Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. It was customary, by the way, for the father of the bride to give the bride a handmaid if he was able to do that. That's very typically done, apparently. And it came to pass that in the morning, oh boy, it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. 
And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Jacob is going to get his first lesson in retribution. He defrauded his brother Esau, and now he's been defrauded. God is teaching Jacob the rights of the firstborn. In verse 26, Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve me with me yet seven other years. Now, I want you to notice that verse. It's not a big deal, but I want you to be sensitive to it. Fulfill her week. That's not a week of days. See, you and I, when we think of a week, we think of days. In the Jewish system, you have a week of days. We all, all know about that. We, we observe it in our Gentile calendar. Six, you, know, you have six days, then Shabbat, right? You also have a week of weeks. That's what the counting of the Omar is. And that's the Feast of Shavuot is, the, is, is 49 plus, plus 1. Um, you have a week of uh, days, a week of weeks, a week of months, the seventh month. Tishri is the seventh. Nisan, the start of the religious year, is the seventh month of the secular year and so forth. And you have a week of years. There's all kinds of, in Leviticus, I think it's 25, wherever, you have all these rules about the sabbatical year. Six years you plow the ground, the seventh year you let it lay fallow. It's a sabbatical year, Shabbat. And so, so you have days, weeks, months, years, uh, a week of years. And this is going to be important for you to understand because in the scripture there are occasions where the week is obviously weeks of years. Daniel chapter 9 is perhaps the pivotal one of that. You, need, you won't understand that unless you recognize that you're there you're, Gabriel is talking to Daniel about a week of years. It's pretty obvious from the context, but I want you, this is one of the places you find this term used this way. Anyway, so he's got to work another seven years. And the scholars, uh, you know, um, um, uh, argue about this, uh, the details. But anyway, Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. So he works 14 years for two, these two brides. Leah and Rachel. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah, uh, his handmaid, to be her maid. In other words, Rachel's daughter got her handmaid Bilhah given to her as a, a, a wedding gift, in effect. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. It's hard for us to fully appreciate how important issue was to the women of that day. Having children was one of their primary uh, blessings. And if they were barren, that was considered uh, a, a real curse. And uh, so she names her firstborn Reuben, uh, because the Lord had seen her misery. And... Uh, Rehabaoni is a, is a, is, 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 speaks, of, speaks to that. And there's another word play joins it. Um, he also, the word Yehebanani um, is, is, is being attached. So on the one hand, the Lord has seen her affliction, and yet now the husband will love her, be attached to her. So both those terms in the Hebrew echo from the word Reuben, if you will. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Because the Lord hath heard... 
that I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also, and called his name Simeon. And uh, so she, she was, she was uh, heard, and, and uh, so uh, uh, Ishmael means God hears. Simeon is a root very similar to that. And uh, she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me because I have borne him three sons. And therefore he called his name Levi, which is uh, Yilavai, uh, which is really uh, to be attached, if you will. And uh, she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Praise, Judah, Judah, and left bearing. Judah means let him be praised. And uh, so it's interesting that Leah is evidencing tremendous faith through these four children. Um, she obviously uh, is bearing the burden of, she knows she's not loved the way Rachel is. She obviously hopes that by this issue it will be an offset to her situation. And uh, so we now get to Genesis 30, which continues this theme. When Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Even though you love the most, this, this, this older sister is born four, not one, four kids. So she said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. And Jacob's a little frustrated, obviously. Jacob's anger is kindled against Rachel. says, am I in God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? It's obviously that he hasn't got a problem. He's got sons by the other wife. So this just tends to focus it even more. So then Rachel says, Behold my maid Bilhah, go in unto her, and she shall bear upon my knees that I may also have children by her. Sounds strange to us, but it was common practice. We saw that continue with, with Hagar and Sarah. We also discovered uh, evidence that that was the pattern there in the area of Haran to do that. It was very uh, frequently done. And she gave him Bilhah, her handmaid, to wife, and Jacob went in unto her, and Bilhah conceived and bare Jacob a son. And Rachel said, God hath judged me, and hath also heard my voice, and hath given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. Dan is explained by the word Danai, which means God has vindicated me. Or some people say that uh, he's also corrected a wrong in a sense, so that uh, her bar barrenness, if you will. So uh, uh, the, the, the term Dan also implies being judged. His name is being judged. So. And Bilhah, Rachel's uh, maid, conceived again and bare Jacob a second son. Rachel said, With great wrestlings have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. And she called his name Naphtali, which is uh, uh, having fought or wrestled, if you will. That's what the word implies. Well, Leah see, sees this going on, saying that must be a pretty good program. And she apparently had stopped bearing, so she took Zilhah, her maid. Does the same thing Rachel did. Gave her to Jacob, to wife. And Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare Jacob a son. And Leah said, A troop cometh. It's <laughs> quite a name. And called his name Gad, which is a troop or a company or a crowd. And uh, Zilpah, Leah's maid, bare a Jacob a second son. Leah said, Happy am I, for the daughters will call me blessed. And so she called his name Happy, or Asher. And so that, that, that's, that, that's the first wave of these. Um, now, Reuben, he's the oldest son, when in the days of the wheat harvest, he found mandrakes in the field. Mandrakes were, were reputed to be an aphrodisiac, by the way. Uh, and he brought them to his mother Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And a negotiation going on here. 
She said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? Wouldst thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. In other words, Rachel's apparently, they had some arrangement, but Rachel's giving her her slop, so to speak, in exchange for these mandrakes. And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely uh, I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, God hath given me my hire. The reason they went this mandrake thing is so you understand why they... See, each one of these names have a meaning. Uh, God hath given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband, and she called his name Issachar. Issachar which is uh, close to the Hebrew term for, for uh, my hire. And Leah conceived again, and bare Jacob the sixth son. And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun, which is uh, like a dowry gift or an honor, honorary present of some kind. Uh, and uh, so, so it's interesting that her hopes never leave her. And uh, so... Afterwards, she also bore a daughter. Her name was Dinah, which also means judgment, by the way, and we're going to see uh, some tragedies occur around uh, the issue of Dinah, but we'll move on here. God remembered Rachel in the meantime, and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. So now, Rachel is going to bear directly her first child. She conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Yosef and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. Joseph would mean adding is, is, is the suggestion here. And uh, Now, we're going to hear a lot about Joseph. In fact, uh, a good portion of the book of Genesis is going to be the adventures of this unusual person. But we also can recognize that if you know how much um, Jacob loved Rachel and you realize how long she's waited for a child directly, you can imagine how spoiled he was. And you get in the coat of many colors and all of that that will be coming. So the patriarchs. Let's take a look at this. Here's Abraham. And of course he has, and we're talking about his wife Sarah now. We're not talking about Hagar, and who had Ishmael and so forth. I'm not talking about Keturah at this point. Uh, Sarah has a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac marries Rebekah and has Esau and Jacob in that order. But Jacob then has two wives to begin with. Leah and Rachel. Under Leah we have his firstborn son Reuben, then Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Direct uh, uh, issue from Leah. About this time Rachel gets the idea, I'll, I'll use my handmaid as a surrogate mother here, so Bilhah has Dan and Naphtali. No problem. Leah watching that, says, hey, that looks like that works, maybe I can do the same thing. So she takes her handmaid, Zilpah, and they have Gad and Asher. Now we get around, finally, to the point that Rachel actually has a child of her own, Joseph. To look ahead, as you get this whole perspective here, Joseph will, of course, end up down in Egypt. In Egypt, he will have a wife and two sons. And we'll get to that. In the meantime, by the way, uh, uh, Leah has Issachar and Zebulun, two more. So Leah has actually got six. Uh, Rachel will have one other child of her own, and uh, the, in which she dies. She dies in that childbirth. And, uh, that, and the, the issue was there, Benjamin, the, very, the youngest son of them all. And uh, when Joseph's down in Egypt, 
his wife will bear two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. A very important event occurs when Jacob is ultimately joined, the whole family is down there with Joseph when they discover he's prime minister of Egypt, and that whole incredible story we'll get to. J uh, Jacob adopts Joseph's two sons as his own, Manasseh and Ephraim. So what you really need to understand here, there really are 13 tribes. If you take Manasseh and Ephraim together, you can call it the tribe of Joseph, you have 12 tribes. If you want to leave one of these out for some purpose, you can still have 12 tribes because you've got 13 to choose from. Do you follow me? And you're going to discover that these tribes, these tribes are listed 20 times in the Bible. Every time they're listed, they're in a different order, pretty much. And more often than not, one of them is omitted for some reason. Often the tribe of Levi is not in the list because they did not go to war and, uh, and some other reasons. This gets to be particularly provocative when you get to the book of Revelation because in Revelation 7 you've got 12 tribes listed there. One of the tribes is conspicuous in, their, in its omission. That's the tribe of Dan. There's a second tribe that's also missing but nobody notices it because you have the tribe of Manasseh mentioned and then it's also mentioned the tribe of Joseph which obviously if Manasseh is already counted the only thing that's left is, is Ephraim. So Ephraim's included but sort of in a derogatory way. It's included but not named. Many people miss that. That all has purpose when you get to Revelation 7. That, that'll all have significance. But, but anyway, these are the 12 tribes, but it'll help you to understand that there's really 13 to choose from to get you. It's called a baker, what I call a baker's dozen. <laughs> okay? Because often you want to leave one out, but you still have 12 tribes, if you will. Okay. Something interesting. Um, here are the 12 tribes with the, with the general assumption of what their names mean. This is not a precise science, of course. Reuben means looked or affliction. These, these all have, these all, what's involved here are puns and word plays, puns and also homonyms. There are two words that sound alike but mean something different. Uh, Simeon, hearing or heard. Levi, husband joined. Judah means praise. Dan, judged or judgment. Naphtali, wrestlings and prevailing over those. Gad, troop cometh. Asher, happy. Issachar, by hire or service, uh, Zebulun, the dwelling. Joseph means adding. When Benjamin is born, uh, son of agony at first, but then changed to son of my right hand, Jacob calls him. Something kind of interesting, if you look at these in the order that they were born, they profile the history of Israel. You know, uh, the, the, the first four under Leah profile the time that... Israel will be in Egypt. Moses uh, speaks in chapter 2 and 3, uh, looked on, he looked, God looked upon the affliction of his people. He heard my cry. And when was Jehovah joined Passover? That, of course, is the climax of the redemption out of Egypt. And, uh, so, and of course, then the, which, uh, upon which praise follows. The next group is in the wilderness. Remember the wilderness at Meribah, where they were judged. And the wrestlings with Amalek in Exodus 17. And then when you get to, uh, out of that, you come out of the, after the wilderness, you're finally into the land under Joshua. And the nations that o o oppose Israel, they overthrown by Joshua, and they have the occupation and so forth. And uh, the last two, of course, would point to the kingdom, being added to in the son of my right hand. Who would the son of my right hand be? Jesus. Okay, there you go. So it's a possibility. I mention this because you can spend a lot of time uh, looking at this. The more you look at it, the more it, uh, you'll, you'll see many, many other parallels. But this is, I'm just, I'm doing this not because this is some big 
profound proof or anything like that, nothing like that. But as you go through your scripture, you'll again and again and again see parallels. Um, uh, let, me, let, me give, let me give you another one. Um, Jacob received a blessing from his father by assuming the identity of the firstborn son. Right? So do we. So do we. We receive the blessing of our father in the identity of his firstborn son. Anyway, moving on. Um, came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Understand, he's been there for more about 20 years. Okay? He says, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Laban, I don't think this is just uh, euphemisms there. Laban is acknowledging that he's been blessed, that God has blessed him through Jacob. He said, and, he, and he said, appoint me, my, appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. He said unto him, Thou knowest how I have served thee, and how thy cattle was with me. For it was little which thou hadst before I came, and it is now increased into a multitude. And the Lord hath blessed thee since my coming, and now shall I provide for mine own house also? He said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep thy flock. Jacob has got a stratagem here that will sound like he will gain very little out of this. And Laban buys into this program. But, but again, we've got, I suspect Laban's met his match in Canivory. He says, I'll pass through all thy flock today, removing from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle and all the brown cattle among the sheep and the spotted and speckled among the goats and of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come when it shall come for my hire before thy face. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep shall be counted stolen with me. Laban said, Behold, I would, I would it might be according to thy word. Laban figures this out and thinks this is a good deal. He removed that day the he-goats that were rain-straked and spotted and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted and every one that had some white in it and all the brown among the sheep and he gave them into the hand of his son. So he weeds the flock of those right up front. And he set three days' journey betwixt himself and Jacob and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now understand, these aren't individual guys. They each have a whole retinue of servants. Okay, there, there, there are employees involved here. But anyway, Jacob took him rods of green poplar and of hazel and of chestnut tree and peeled the white strakes in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. In other words, he stripped, these are uh, branches that have dark outside, but if you peel off the bark, it's white on the inside. So by peeling, you can get, it, get a, a branch that's striped, if you will. And he set the rods which he had pilled before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs, when the flocks came to drink, that they should conceive when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods and brought forth cattle, ring-straked, speckled, and spotted. Now, I am not a, a shepherd. I don't, this, when I read this, I thought, this is bizarre. This sounds archaic. I was startled to discover 
that there are many ancient authorities that take this quite seriously. That apparently, especially sheep, when they copulate, will, will, be, will uh, often uh, render in accordance to what's on their mind when they do that. Whether that's true, which apparently some experts believe it is, and I could cite those for you if you like. Colin Dillich is perhaps the most notable commentary, critical authority on this, and, and he, he footnotes four or five references on this. Whether that really was valid or whether that was a common belief doesn't matter. Because what obviously happens is the Lord's doing anyway. But if you were like me, I was very troubled when I read this. That sounds like super, you know, silly superstition. It turns out apparently it's not. And I'll mention, by the way, just a matter of a few months ago, even in Scientific American, uh, I was startled to discover, you know, when, as they study the DNA, the master record is your DNA, and it's self-replicating. It has a way of making RNA, but the RNA is edited before it's sent to the machinery that makes the proteins. They take the introns out, the, the, the machinery that snips out certain portions, they call those introns, and the rest are spliced together, and that's sent to the machinery that reads the codes, makes the protein, that makes the, you know, it ought to go. That's the whole thing. The stuff that is cut out, many of your texts call it junk DNA. The microbiologists have assumed that this, this DNA that doesn't lend itself directly to the protein building process is vestiges of ancient evolutionary, they have, they don't know, they call it the junk DNA, they don't know Well, two things. Some recent articles in Scientific American highlight the fact they're now discovering that the so-called junk DNA has a very important architectural role in the human genome. But what really startled me, it, it, why are your eyes blue or brown? Your, your hereditary characteristics apparently are carried by the, the non-protein generating portions of the DNA. But what really startled me, other than all that, do you know how much of the DNA is so-called junk DNA? 96%. And when I realized that, it just blew me away because you realize what they think they know, they've learned from a very small sample of the total. And it's just like matter and energy. There's, I think, what, 95% of the mass of the universe is not seen. They're still looking for it. Um, they can know it's there mathematically from the gravitational effects, but they, it doesn't give light, so they call it dark matter. Anyway, so the point is, I suspect that what we think we know about genetics is still being unraveled. In any case, what's really going on here is, in a sense, academic for us, because whether that's just what Jacob believed, it ended up working is the point whether it worked because that's the natural process or if it's working because God chose to have it work is a moot point, really. So Jacob did separate the lambs and set the faces of the flocks toward the ringstrake and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves, and he put them not into Laban's cattle. It came to pass, whensoever the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive among the rods. <laughs> And when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in, so that the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. So he's a very, very prosperous proprietor here. So that leads to chapter 31. And he, he heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Job, uh, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. So needless to say, the, the, the heirs to the estate of Laban are getting upset. They're watching what's going on. They recognize that Jacob's winning this thing. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Okay. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return 
unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. So Jacob hears from God and tells him to get out of there. Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. Two points there. He, recognized, he announces to the women something. I'm sure the girls knew it long before he even recognized it. And, uh, but also that God is with him. He, he, he declares the oracle, in effect. And ye, ye know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. If he, if he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstrake shall be thy hire, then bear all the ca cattle ringstrake. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. And it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived, that I lifted up mine eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle were ringstraked, speckled, and grizzled. That hints the fact that some of this idea may have been something that he got in a dream or a revelation to him. But anyway, the angel of God spake with me in a dream and said, Jacob, he said, here I am. He said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstraked, speckled, and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. I am the God of Bethel where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now, arise, get thee out of this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Now, it gets a little more complicated, guys. Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? In other words, what have they got to lose? They're glad to get out of there. Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured also our money. They're upset because they feel they were sold out. It's not that they don't love Jacob, but they, they feel that they were treated as chattel. And, uh, and, uh, so, uh, and whatever they were entitled to is, 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 is gone to the, their others. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. So Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. He's doing this, you know, little profile. He carried away all his cattle and all his goods that he had gotten, the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Padanaram for to go to Isaac, his father, in the land of Canaan. And Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the images that were her father's. These are called teraphim, and uh, they're, they're little, figure, little small figurines of deities. It's a pagan thing, and, and it shows the pagan influence in, the Laban, in, in that family. But there's something else that most people don't understand, we didn't understand until about 1930 when they discovered the tablets at Nuzi. And uh, so um, the Nuzi tablets, in about 1925, 4,000 clay tablets were discovered in a town that's substantially east of Haran, but in that region. And, this, and, and they were apparent, they're dated to about 1500 B.C., roughly the time of all this going on. Teraphim... We learned several things from these tablets. We discovered these teraphim were evidence of property ownership. Yes, they had religious significance, but their legal significance was they represented a claim to the property. And if, 